Hi there, welcome to the Kessler Law Firm podcast. We're lucky enough to be joined this afternoon by my good friend Cliff Barnes. And we've been handling some fairly serious subjects lately. We decided to depart from that today. So Cliff, I'd like you to tell us about your funniest case. Uh, well, I've had quite a few funny ones, but um, today we'll talk about the great Oreo cookie case. I had the pleasure uh, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, of representing a local pastor who was probably in his early 80s, and the gentleman was charged with solicitation of prostitution. Of course, the state gave me a police report and I think a recording the allegations were that he had driven up, uh, he was a black gentleman, and he had driven up to a white undercover police detective who was posing, of course, as a prostitute. The allegations were that he had uh, told her that he wanted an Oreo cookie. And she said, uh, what is an Oreo cookie? He says, well, I want you and your friend, who she was standing with a black woman, and so uh, I guess the white woman would be in the middle and the two black folks would be the wafers of the cookie and she would be the cream in the middle. This is a true story, stop laughing. Uh, <laughs> Fort Pierce Police Department. I'm, I'm laughing Cliff because I'm glad that was your case and not mine. <laughs> the uh, white officer said, okay, we can do that. That will be $50. He said, uh, well, okay, let me go get my money. And as he left the scene, as you know, the typical uh, MO is the police arrest him the minute they leave. Well, when they um, searched him, of course, he professed his innocence and um, uh, denied doing anything or saying anything that would be susceptible of being interpreted as solicitation, despite the recording. He didn't know it was recorded, but he told them that he was just passing the time of day with the lady and that he drove off, which is true. Uh, and they found on him, he had, uh, they accused him of agreeing to $50 for the sex act, the great Oreo cookie act. And it turns out that he, when they arrested him, he had $100 in his wallet. And I thought they would drop the case. I mean, come on. But then again, we're dealing with the Fort Pierce, uh, you know, the prosecutors of the 19th circuit. So they decided they were going to make a stand for uh, decency in this town. And they prosecuted this pastor. And like I say, he was an elderly gentleman. He was an elderly gentleman. And as I uh, haven't found out yet, but I assume in about 10 years I might, there may be problems with actually uh, concluding a sex act for money or, or just for love. Um, and I had asked his wife uh, before trial if uh, they'd had sexual relations. And I got all those details from her, which you'll hear in a few minutes that she testified to the jury. My defense was that uh, he was just talking dirty. 
that he just got a thrill out of talking dirty because clearly he said what he said. Uh, he wanted that Oreo cookie and he wanted it badly. But my feeling even today is he wasn't going to conclude the act. He just wanted to talk about it. And once he got his thrill, he drove off. Of course, the prosecutor says the act was completed when he said, okay, let me get my money, even though he already had the money in his pocket more than that. So if he'd wanted the act, he had the money to pay for it. Sure. So my defense, and I told him, of course, beforehand, was that that was the defense, was that, uh, okay, well, you know, you're just talking dirty to him and, and, you know, you got your thrill and you drove on because you had the money in your pocket if you'd wanted to pay for the Oreo cookie. I believe it was Judge Ty, as you recall, he liked a fun trial. They like to enjoy a trial, and I, God rest his soul, I bet he never had a funnier one than this Oreo cookie because everybody was having fun except the prosecutor and the <laughs> prosecution witness. <laughs> Everyone else was giggling and laughing. Judge Ty would lean way back in his chair where no one could see him to laugh because he couldn't laugh out loud, so he'd lean way back where the jurors couldn't see him. Back then, they had, as you know, the docket call and the defendants would be seated in the audience with the rest of the jurors. And I would always seat them right in the middle so that the jurors would go, oh, it's one of us on trial today when they called his name. So it made it seem like them against the court. He was even smarter than me. He walked just fine all the times he came into my office, but he showed up in a wheelchair that morning. <laughs> <laughs> and the bailiffs were so bailiffs were so sweet they pushed him here and there and helped him get his feet in and get his feet out and like uh, hobble over to the defense table and they helped him get in his chair while the whole panel of jurors is watching once you see that i mean come on no one's gonna convict this man after watching come out of the audience and bailiffs are helping him and treating him like the older gentleman that he was and he worked he walked just fine though i i i but I, that was a stroke of genius on his part so prosecution put on their uh you know allegations put on their witness they played the tape and of course my cross-examination of the the white part of the oreo cookie because she was the lead uh, was uh, asked her if she'd ever met him before, if she knew him. Uh, and then I asked her if she knew whether or not he was even capable of, of, of consummating the Oreo cookie that he asked for. And of course, everybody starts laughing. So obviously we were going to win anyway, but I thought we're just going to make this, we're going to all have a good time here today. So I put his wife on and his wife says, Lord, that man hadn't been able to do anything for me for 20 some years. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long did the jury stay out? Cliff? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not done yet. So, so then I put him on because I thought who's, who's, you know, this going to wig a cap this off. He's going to explain that he was uh, just talking dirty. Well, then he pulled a fast one on his lawyer because he didn't quite go with the defense. He came up with his own defense and he said, I'm a man of the cloth. 
I've never hired a prostitute. I never would. That's a sin. It's evil. This is happening in front of a jury that he's undermining my defense. And so I said, well, can you explain to the jury? Because I thought he'd come up with a good explanation according to the defense what you were talking about out there. He goes, I was trying to lead those women to Jesus. He says, I was trying to shame those women and lead them to Jesus. That's what I was doing out there that night. Yeah, the jury was out about 10 minutes. I guess they, <laughs> you know, they took them that, while, that long to pick a foreman usually. So um, Must have been a contested election. <laughs> I think. So that was about the most fun. And, you know, it was a victimless. I'm not even going to call it a crime. I, to, you know, he didn't. If he wanted to solicit, he had the money. So it was just ridiculous. But like so many cases brought by our local prosecutors, um, you know, it was good time. It was funny. Everybody had a good time. Prosecutor got a little training. She went on to become an elected official. Uh, she didn't have a good sense of humor then or now. Um, but anyway, uh, that's it. That's one of them. I have lots more for later. Well, I'll tell you what, when I think of you and funny cases, I think back to when I was a rookie and I watched you try a fried chicken case. Oh, goodness. Two weeks in a row. And I thought about you when I tried what was probably my funniest case. Oh, yeah? I tried a fried chicken case in Vero. I had a client that was accused of shoplifting fried chicken tenders from the Walmart and eating them as he walked through the store. But but not a not a full on uh, leg of chicken, not, not a chicken a full leg. On leg of chicken, just the uh, the, the chicken tenders. And uh, we had the store security, um, and he walked uh, and. At the Vero Beach Walmart, the food area was back in the far left corner. I did my, you know, they tell us always visit the, the scene of the crime, right? Did you taste their tenders or they were stealing? I had gone back out there to get the layout of it. And he had to walk back from that back counter through almost the whole store to leave the store. And he had, he wasn't on video anywhere stealing any, eating anything. And the store security officer came in and had the nerve to testify that at Walmart, we're more concerned about employee theft than customer theft. So our cameras are all trained on our cash registers, right? But my client had a great story. He said, I wasn't eating chicken at all. In fact, I don't eat meat. He said, I went back there and the potato wedges were right next to the chicken tenders and they had expired. And the girl was about to throw them out. And I asked her if I could have them. So she said, yeah, I can't sell them. I'm going to throw them out. She gave them to him. He told that to the store detective who didn't believe him. He told that to the police when they got there. They didn't believe him. They arrested this guy. They took him, him off. Take him to jail for the chicken tenders. He bonded out, drove himself to the Vero Beach Hospital, walked into the emergency room and demanded that they pump his stomach so that he could prove that there was no meat in his stomach. Oh, my goodness. And the nurses, the people in the ER didn't know what to do. The next thing you know, the risk management guy comes out and he says, look, this is not medically necessary. We can't do this. So 
few weeks later, we're up for trial because back then, if you were convicted of shoplifting in Vero, both judges would put you in jail. So we went to trial. You know, his defense was the truth. I didn't steal anything. What I was eating is what they gave me because they're going to throw it out. But I decided that it needed a lighter touch. So at lunchtime during the trial, I went back to the Walmart and I went back to the back counter and I bought fried chicken and I brought it back to the courthouse and I had it marked as an exhibit and put on the clerk's table right next to the jury. Oh, it smelled so good. Oh, I can still smell it. The whole courtroom smelled of fried chicken. We wiped up the floor with their store detective and I even called as a witness, the risk management guy to come and say, yes, all this is true. He wanted his stomach pumped. Oh, beautiful. That's a sign of innocence for sure. I think this jury elected their four person without leaving the courtroom because we were out of the building in about 10 minutes. One of my next funnies is, and I know you've had them like this case that I just told you about where the defendant decides at the last minute while he's on the witness stand under your direct examination to change the theory of the case, to change the defense without telling you. So I have another one of those in a, in a murder case. So it's a serious case, but, and so I'm not going to say it's a funny case, but it was a heck of a um, perplexing case. And the strangest thing happened with the jury. So we'll talk about that one day. Okay. Well, I I appreciate you saying that. We'll we'll invite you back on again. Thank you. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us today, Cliff. Always fun. And thank you for joining us for the Kessler Law Firm podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click the subscribe button so you'll know when new episodes of our podcast are available. Don't miss them. And if you'd like to know more about us, including my friend Cliff Barnes, you can find out on our website, www.kesslerlawfirm.com. See you again soon.